Hello and welcome to The Luxury of Choice, a B2B sales skills and business podcast brought to you by the training team of George James Limited. My name is Steve Vaughan and I'm a senior sales trainer for George James, as well as the host and producer of this podcast. This is another of our mid-month interview shows when I chat to a subject matter expert on a topic that we think you or the listener will find of interest. And today my guest is Anthony Steers. Anthony is a leading expert on telephone engagement, specializes in helping businesses to improve customer service levels and sales results over the phone. He's also a trainer and public speaker and runs a business called The Telephone Assassin. And like me, he's a big believer in the power of the telephone. Anthony, hi. Thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, Steve. It's lovely to be here. It's great to have you here, sir. So you and I met at a conference that uh, you were talking at uh, just before Christmas, and uh, I was really interested in what you had to say and and your business. So thanks ever so much for you know for coming on the podcast. It's going to be great to find out a bit more about what it is you do. So first of all, just a little bit of background to yourself, really. So um, you know, you're the telephone assassin. <laughs> we'll talk more about that shortly. How, how did you get into this? You know, what's your background? Uh, well, uh, my, my last proper job, as my dad likes to say, um, I used to sell databases to businesses um, that for, to allow them to target companies. Okay. And as part of that, I ended up um, basically showing people, they all thought I wanted to sell lots of data to them. And I was trying to explain, no, I just want you to buy a wish list of your ideal clients. So I got into helping people profile who would be their ideal client. Okay, and then I started writing telesales scripts for them to say of what to say if they were doing a, a, an initial intro or if it was a follow up. And then enough of them said, "Would you make the calls for me?" So I set up a telemarketing company um, with a friend who who turned out to be full of a lot of hot air. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we we kind of started off making calls for people um, uh, as business owners. We okay. uh, yeah, like I say, he ended up telling a few lies that our clients uh, caught him out right. on, which Never a good put idea. us in a bit of trouble. Yeah. Uh, so I sort of shrunk that back, back down and basically became a freelance salesperson okay. um, or phone for hire i suppose and uh it, that's where the telephone assassin thing came from a couple of the clients that i was making calls for when i would say about get giving me a wish list or a hit list they two of them referred to me as their telephone assassin so that's where it kind of came from and, and i basically got locked into some retainers for some clients doing the proactive stuff right. um and then my accountant asked me how much money i made out of my waiting list and i didn't really have a smart answer a so he question. suggested that i looked yeah. at he suggested I looked at uh, teaching people to fish rather than selling them the fish. So, um, yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I phoned my waiting list. Um, I think twenty three people. I told, look, retainers aren't aren't, aren't slowing down. I'm going to run a workshop. Twenty one of them said yes, we'll be there, and it was the most money I'd made to date. And thought, oh, I should do more of this. So I got into training, uh, and I joined the the PSA, which is the Professional Speaking Association, okay. uh, and began uh, not only training but keynoting as well. And uh, obviously, that then led me on to speaking at the at the wedding conference where we met. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, and, and as part of my journey, I ended up as the president for the Professional Speaking Association oh, wow. London uh, region for two years during COVID. Um, so after thinking, after building up my hopes and thinking I'm going to get to put on lots of really fun events, I then realised I had to master Zoom. <laughs> Didn't we all? Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, but that taught that taught me a lot, and it really helped from a training perspective as well. So yeah, it was. Uh, so that's kind of the speedy version of how I became the telephone assassin. I suppose. No, it's fantastic. And as you say, we met at, at a wedding conference because, as, as the listeners know, my wife's a wedding photographer, so we were 
we were both mm-hmm. both there for that for that event. So uh, so you've you've actually done it. You know, you you're not a case of a uh, of a teacher that can't that can't actually do the thing they're teaching. You've actually done it. You've been at the cold face. You've run telemarketing I've, businesses. I have done it, and I remember in an early workshop, somebody said, "Oh, trainers train because they can't do," and I said, "Who have you been trying to reach?" And I did a call on loudspeaker. Showed them exactly how to do it. Got a round of applause. And I used to do lots of live call demonstrations, if I'm honest with you. Um, But it started to feel like I was doing a magic trick. Mm. And people were like, well, you're the telephone assassin. Of course you can do it. And actually, I now still make live calls with some clients when I'm training with them. But it tends to be the ones that are really struggling. Or if they're not getting the principles, then I try and show them how to do it, basically. Mm. Um but yeah, it, it, it's great. The standing on stage is fantastic. It's lovely to get a round of applause, but I've been doing a lot of training recently and it's lovely to see that light bulb moment where people go, oh my God, I can do that. Or it really is that easy. Or, oh my, I hadn't even thought of doing it that way. So um, yeah, it's fantastic, so yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That's why we all do it, I guess, really. So uh, now you're based yeah. down in, in Berkshire. So you've got a lot of sort of high tech industry around you, a lot of the computer industry, software industry. So Absolutely. you work in that kind of industry a fair amount from memory yeah uh yeah quite a bit in tech um financial services done a bit in pharma uh, as well uh medical devices kind of stuff right. too um so yeah down, down down this end of the country we, we there's quite a few of those to pick from which is nice yeah, um yeah. but it's interesting because when I, d- I do a lot of the stuff that i do um i would describe myself more as a conversational strategist okay I usually get labelled or, or billed as a, a sort of sales expert or trainer. Um, sometimes it's customer service, uh, but really I just help people tackle difficult conversations. And quite often in business, yes, it's around selling ultimately, but it's more influence and persuasion. But really, there's a lot of rapport building stuff that yeah. that kind of actually is is what's going on there. You should be just cultivating relationships fundamentally. Um, but it works. I would say it works the same whether you're a lawyer or a landscaper. Okay. Um, the principles work exactly the same. One just talks with a slightly posher voice. <laughs> Obviously, when you get into pharmaceuticals, yeah. technology, um, medical devices, there is a lot more complex stuff behind the products mm. and the services, mm. um, which is why I love working with those kinds of companies mm. because often these are the, the people who understand this stuff are usually locked behind a door and don't get to see customers no, um, all the time. And then they just have these very talkative salespeople out front who talk a good game but don't necessarily understand it and that's why i think quite often you need to merge the two Mm. and and empower the people who understand it to show them how to have these great conversations with clients without coming across sales yeah absolutely and fundamentally helping more people to buy absolutely that's kind of what i'm all about i suppose now that's great and 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 you know you you, we were talking before the start of the podcast about our marketplace, and obviously we've chatted about that before. And, our, and the people that listen to this podcast are typically in scientific equipment sales, laboratory equipment, technical, industrial, mm-hmm. pharmaceutical, as you say, medical devices, really. Mm-hmm. So very, very technical people uh, who you know come from a very technical background, even me once a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. Now, what they tell me these days is that it's never been harder to get hold of people on the phone. And, and for that reason... I suspect lots of them don't try. <laughs> so yes, it, well, it sounds like a convenient reason to uh, excuse to have not tried okay. in the first place. Uh, I suppose there's an element of truth to it in the fact that 
we use so so many different platforms mm. now um i often talk about i my training is designed to stop people from hiding behind their emails and social media yeah. um and with that add add voicemails on top of that too you've got m- many walls you've got up for people to try and climb over to get to you um but mo- quite often phone numbers and mobile numbers are available online so getting hold of people isn't as tricky as you think mm. um if you have to leave somebody a message and you you leave the right kind of message then actually it can provoke a response or at least get them to open the email that you've sent them and respond to that instead um so technically it can be harder to reach people we're we're, we're living busier lives now mm. but personally i I would disagree with it. I think it's actually become easier um, right. to, to get hold of. Uh, well, it's become easier to get hold of people and to, and to have a real impact in that conversation. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah. In in the old days, you were given a a phone and a phone book or a yellow pages, Absolutely. and all you all you knew was the name of the company and their phone number. Mm. Whereas now, you can do so much research, and that's why I love working with more technical people because they they love detail. Yes. Um, and and they because they know how important it is. Mm. When you if you apply that same mentality to approaching a conversation, doing research before you reach out to somebody, getting to understand who they are, what their values might be, what their company's ethos is. Mm will probably give you a, a much better understanding and make you feel quite equipped for a conversation with what Absolutely. technically is a complete stranger. Yeah. And it's never been easier to do that research than it is today with things like LinkedIn, as you say, the internet and, and what have you really. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I get, yeah. I get cold calls. I'm sure you do as well. And, um, it, and oh, yeah. we have a, within George James, we have an executive recruitment business. And when they, when they start saying, well, you're a recruiter. And I said, well, no, I'm not. <laughs> you've obviously not done the research, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's getting those basics right at the first, first thing, isn't it? So, so cold calling isn't dead then, Anthony? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, cold calling. It, I, I don't really think it's done in the uh if it's if it's done properly it's not really done in the in the old fashioned way of cold calling basically churning through a list no. uh and trying to find opportunities what most clients are, usually you're trying to set up funnels to drive inbound inquiries Absolutely. but obviously you do when when you haven't got enough inquiries coming in you then need to do your outreach um a lot more people i think now have what i would call a a wish list of clients that they would like to work with and they're much They've realized that you can profile searches to to really whittle down your ideal avatar of a client. And and when you have a wish list of clients, not just a never-ending database and you're looking for a diamond in the rush, Mm. but when you have this this, this list of perfect ideal clients, Mm. you approach it differently. You you tend to take the, the attitude of you're cultivating relationships. It's not about finding opportunities. It's about cultivating relationships with the people in your industry so that they open up and talk to you Absolutely. and you'll find out about issues that they have or opportunities where you may be able to get involved. Mm. Um, whereas there's there's not so much of the smashing the phone. I mean, like you say, I receive calls and I, 
I hate it when you can tell they're reading a script no, and they, they try and speak really quickly so you can't interrupt them um, and get the pitch. And uh, yeah, I joke. I call that a uh, premature elaboration. It's you. You can almost premature elaboration. I love that. <laughs> yeah, well, you can always hear the, the desperation down the phone yeah. as they kind of blurt a nervous pit or frustrated pitch down the phone because they've because they've struggled to get hold of people. Yeah. Like we were talking about it being a bit tricky to get hold of people yeah. when yeah. you when you're spending all day doing it when you finally get through the view sometimes is give them both barons but that's a very salesy approach <laughs> Turn it up to 11, yeah, yeah 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 I, I would say that sales will always be a numbers game i'm not going to argue no, with that but i don't really personally think that it's a, about convincing people to buy or overcoming objections most of the time it's about capitalizing on the conversations people are ready to have yeah, i love that so if you can make sure that they're not in the middle of something, that you actually get permission to speak at the beginning of the call, you end up having decent conversations rather than lots of opportunities to pitch mm, at people. Yeah, completely. Conversation is two-way. A pitch is is a more of a broadcast, a broadcast and that's usually how it's received, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, completely. And one of the things that always winds me up when I get a cold call is people that don't ask say my name. <laughs> you know, when I get when I get there, can I speak to Mr. Vorgahan, please? The phone goes down straight away, really. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I and I get various pronunciations of my surname as well. Or I'll even answer the phone and go, Hello, Anthony speaking. And they'll go, Oh, hi, can I uh, speak to Anthony Stairs Steers, please? And I'll go, Yes, it's Anthony speaking. Uh, and you just think and usually they're people who are on an auto dialer. They've yeah. got a headset on mm-hmm. They're chatting to their friend. They don't really care. Very different to the kind um, of people, of course, that listen, listen to this podcast. Yeah, so, whereas yeah. I think in bigger businesses and particularly smarter, more technical businesses, you don't typically have that call centre approach of no. the verbal verbal diarrhoea version of spamming people, basically. Uh, I think it, it becomes a lot more... I often say that I turn people who think that they're cold callers into what feels like a proactive expert. Mm. If you can come along like a proactive expert, people are f- going to uh, be far more receptive to you than having a, a slick-sounding pitch. Absolutely. Totally agree. So, so without giving anything away too much, because obviously you've got a business to run and you're a training organisation like, like we are, what is the approach? You know, we, we, let's imagine now that you're, you're in front of a, of a team of people who want to learn how to get through to people and you know, probably get more appointments in, in, in the case that people listen to the show. How do we do it? First, uh, I suppose two main steps that I think would make a big difference, and they're probably things that people do already, but you might need to take up to the next level. Uh, The first one is doing your research first. Um, Usually you can find the name of the right contact and you can decide who you think is the right contact based on their job title. And then you can look on LinkedIn to find out how long they've worked for the company and what their background is. And then you can look at the news page on the on the website to see what their company's up to and what things they talk about. And then you can go on the Meet the Team page to see which other departments that might cross over are there as well. So you can start to get a real understanding before you actually reach out. Um, that's the first bit. The um, So being prepared. And one other thing that's that I think makes a massive difference, which I'm not really going to go into too much. But when I talk to people about perfecting their pitch, the way I summarize this, and I said it's the same if you're a lawyer or a landscaper, it's basically sharing success stories people can relate to. So it's using mini case studies of clients who are just like them. And what most salespeople do is they name drop their biggest client in the hope it's going to impress you. 
Um, and usually it, it impresses them for about a second and then it intimidates them and they start to think, well, well, I'm not that big or I haven't got that big a budget or we haven't got a project of that magnitude. You might not be interested in working with us. Whereas if you can pick up a selection of case studies of um, so, for example, if I was going to approach you as a as a podcast host, Steve, what I would what I'd probably do is pick out five or six testimonials I've got from podcast hosts that I've done who have then given me great feedback about how we had an engaging interview. I helped to promote it afterwards. They've had lots of positive feedback, right? And I would probably just approach you and say, hey, Steve, you're probably not looking for guests at the moment. If you are in the future, I'd love you to read what other podcast hosts are saying about me. Fantastic. Okay. Love it. Yeah. And basically I just draw, and I describe it as, as, as it should feel like I'm just dropping off a pizza menu. I'm not knocking on your door and trying to take an order. I'm not expecting you to be hungry right now, but I'm hoping that you you might be hungry in the future. And if I can give you a reason to remember me and I can let you hear what my clients say about me rather than what I say about me, then hopefully you'll go, oh, okay, oh, this guy sounds good. Oh, telephone assassin. That sounds interesting. Let's look at him up. Let's look at his videos. And 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 it's more of an awareness type of approach. Yeah, yeah. So having those testimonials alongside your research before you dial. Mm gives you this supreme confidence that you're going to be able to hopefully build a bit of rapport using your research, but you're going to be able to establish your credibility really quickly with this person. Love it. Okay. And, and the three phases of the conversations that I tend to teach, you've got to build rapport. So they like you enough to listen, you establish your credibility so that you can build some trust. And then you need to create urgency and get them to take action and do something as a result of speaking to you. Don't rush for the creating urgency. First call and initial outreach, just get them to like you enough to keep listening or not be rude to you and establish your credibility by dropping off references or relevant case studies. Um, From there, what they'll usually do is when you say, I'm guessing you're not looking right now, but here you go, you'll probably confirm that I'm correct and go, you're right, Anthony, I'm not looking at guests right now because I have them booked until summer. And you'll, you'll probably give me an indication, not only of what you'll confirm I'm correct, and then you'll justify it and give me an indication of when you're likely to be hungry for my services. Um, so it's just a really clever way of sort of cultivating a relationship nice and early. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and, the, and the other tip I was going to give at the beginning of the call, and I think I mentioned it earlier on, it's one of my golden rules. It's called PTS. It stands for Permission to Speak. Okay. And it just means that at the beginning of the call, you've got to get permission to speak. Um, the last thing you want to do is blurt a pitch and be guilty of that premature elaboration thing. Um, so the way I m- most people would say, well, hey, Steve, have you got a couple of minutes to chat or are you okay to speak or something along those lines? The way I do it is I just wrap it in really good manners and great customer service. And, and I, I just assume I've called it a bad time. So I would say, hey, Steve, uh, my name's Anthony Steers. I was just hoping to chat to you for a couple of minutes, but I'm guessing I probably caught you at a bad time. Is there a better time to call you back? And by assuming that it's a bad time, you'll probably think that I can't possibly be in sales because I'm making this too easy to get out of. You'll then go, oh, well, I'm all, I'm always busy. There's never really a good time to catch me, but you only want two minutes and I don't think it's a sales call. Most people, it just disarms them into going, go on then, I've got two minutes now. What What's this about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And when you then just say, well, this is what I do, but I'm guessing you're not looking for it. Um, and they say, yeah, you're right. We're not looking right now. And I say, well, okay, if you are in the future, you might want to read what these people say about me. And that 
fundamentally is an outreach phone call it's not that hard it's not very salesy no, no it's not um no. and and if you are from a more scientific background um, or perhaps you don't regularly do outreach you can pre-frame it at the beginning to go hey steve uh, apologies for the random phone call i'm actually one of the account managers it's usually the sales guys who make outbound calls but i specifically look after podcast hosts um, <laughs> and i noticed I, I read one of your blogs and i loved it and i see the comments you get back from your podcast i just wanted to be a bit proactive and reach out i guessing you're not looking for, for people right now but right all of a sudden you're i can see the smile on your it's face working. it's working i'm processing of, what you're saying to me right now thinking yeah, actually i do need some hosts some guests coming up right, later in the so day. it's what so it's just it's just a bit of a different well, approach fantastic. i, I just it. think yeah. i just think that sales is no longer salesy no. um it's it's good manners and understanding the emotional intelligence of what they're thinking yeah, when you speak. <laughs> I think there's some great, um, great points there. If I can just sort of go back a bit of, because there's some, there's yeah. some great nuggets. And I, I actually did get a phone call while you were talking to me. I don't know if it came across on the, on the internet. Somebody was trying to cold call me. So uh, I thought you were, I thought you might answer it. I was thinking we could do cool. I'm, so sorry. I'm on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I do get emails literally in all seriousness. I do get emails saying, uh, you know, as a podcast host, are you looking for guests? So, you know, you, you went, you yeah. went a million miles away so but in all seriousness i think you know some great points um first of all the importance of doing the research knowing mm-hmm. you know what um, what the world of the customer is or the potential world of the customer is before you pick up the phone so you might be able to then have some kind of empathy as to their challenges their opportunities their desires their needs all those all those great things really um mm-hmm. and i also love the the bit about not name dropping your biggest customer, and I, I used to do that. I'm guilty of charging that one uh, <laughs> all the time. But what yeah. I always, always, always try to do, and I'll be honest, in 35 years of using, of being in sales, I've always been nervous of the phone. Um, yeah. One of the things I always used to try and do was give what well, something which would spark their interest. You know, I've recently been working with company X and achieved Y, and I thought it yeah. might be something you know that you'd be interested in. You know, a reason for the, for their interest mm-hmm. really. Um, I guess yeah. the people who listen to this call probably are not going to be selling products over the phone. Some might be, but I think for mm-hmm. most of them, their objective when they make the call is to get an appointment as opposed okay. to, yeah. yeah. So what are your thoughts about that? Is there, is it any different in the approach or is it the same? Um, there's, if I'm honest with you, there's not too much difference. I suppose the, um, the temptation when you're trying to book an appointment is you're trying to pique people's interest. Mm. So you do want to get them talking and you do want to answer some of their questions. Um, uh, the guy that I got the phrase uh, premature elaboration I from, I use it in the context of blurting out a pitch um, at the start of a call, which usually just sets off alarm bells that say it's a sales call. The, the context in which he uses it is he, he talks about how if you answer too many questions before you book the meeting, then they don't think there's any any point Absolutely. coming to the meeting because yeah. you've answered all of their questions. Absolutely. And technical people like to give answers uh, because you know them. And sometimes it's people when people ask questions, it's a buying signal. Yeah, okay? And there are certain questions that they do expect you to know the answer to and to share the answer for. But there are certain questions that come in where you turn around and say, that's a great question, but I suppose it depends in which way you look at it. That's kind of why I'd love you to meet my boss or we'd love to get you online for a quick demo so I could show you exactly what this would look like. So you move the question into justifying why you should then have a get together. 
Or if somebody says, oh, well, yeah, no, I am responsible for this, but there's a team of people who will be involved. And I say, oh, okay, well, in which case, what I'd really love to do is just get 20 minutes with all of you um, where I can show you a five-minute demonstration of what our product does. And then if you guys have questions or interests or concerns about it, we can troubleshoot it there. And then if it's relevant, we'll book a deeper call. If it's not, we can draw a line under it and move on. And it's a way of moving the objection uh, of there's somebody else in the background or it's complicated or something to that's kind of why I think we should have that our next conversation. Mm. And, And when you're booking an appointment, you shouldn't really be talking to people for longer than three to five minutes Absolutely. to book yeah. an appointment. Yeah. If you're chatting to them to 20 minutes, yeah, you you may be going off on a tangent and sharing some uh, mutual things that you're interested mm. in, um, or you may have a connection that you've managed to link. You might go, oh, I see you were at that conference. I was there too. I don't think we met, and mm. that kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I suppose the approach is to try not to say too much um, and to sell the appointment not the product or service Absolutely. so the temptation yeah. is to tell them how great the product or service is to get them to, to get them interested enough to then want to come and find out more Absolutely. whereas you can if you you can establish a credibility really quickly so um people usually on a cold call will not share their their biggest challenge or frustration with you so no. it's really hard to do a solution sell on a first call no, absolutely however if your product um, or service you know solves a problem that's very common in a specific industry you kind of make that assumption that they probably have that same problem or they they have their own solution to fix that problem so if i was to reach out to you to say hey i know it's quite common in in such and such field that this thing kind of happens my guess is that you have this managed but we've come up with a fantastic product that people in your industry are really raving about thought you might be interested to take a look if you want to at some point have a little test drive and have a closer look or you think it's worth having a coffee please let me know fantastic and and quite often even with appointment setting I would do a two call approach if you are slightly nervous or they're not they're not massively receptive. Okay, so okay? what's that then? What do you mean by two call approach? Um, so the first call is I'd be saying to you, hey Steve, I, I I just wanted to introduce myself really quickly. You're probably not looking at speakers right now, but I just wanted to share what a couple of podcast hosts have said about me. Um, do you mind if I send that across? And if you like what you read at some point, if I could have a coffee Zoom chat with you, I'd love to share some ideas that I think would be relevant after listening to your podcast or I think could be good topics for your listeners. Okay, so it's right? a reason so for gonna, a second gonna, call, basically. A really, yeah, yeah, okay, I, yeah, I'm basically saying, hey, check out my credibility. Check my Got references you. first. Okay. If you like what you read, then let's let's take that next step. And that's why when I drop these case studies off, I often brand them with the client's branding. Because when I approach somebody in any industry, usually I'm not really that famous. They've usually not heard of the telephone assassin. Let's be honest, okay? But they are usually, yeah, yeah. but they are usually <laughs> aware or familiar with their competitors. Right. So if I then drop something that looks like a page off their competitor's website that is raving about me and how I've increased their productivity and I've uh, and their conversion ratio is going yeah, up and yeah. that more people are hitting target. All of a sudden, they're thinking, "I don't want to get left behind. We need to look at this as well." Yeah, love it. Okay, um, so there's it's a slowly, slowly catchy monkey kind of thing, but it's basically 
don't try and create urgency and encourage them to have a meeting until you've established your credibility. Because if they don't know they can trust you, why are they going to give you their time? Fantastic. So I think if you slow it down, my guess, I think that really is is the answer to the question. Sorry, I was a bit long with No, not at all. And, and, and I think, you know, I'm just processing what you're saying to me while, while you're talking, thinking about my own examples, really. One of the things I, I used mm. to do, and, and, I, and I probably couldn't do this now because of the, the, you know, the compliance, we, we all rightly work in, but I used to say... Uh, you know, if I got a voicemail for somebody and I'd just done a load of work with pharmaceutical company A and I was calling pharmaceutical mm-hmm. company B, who are their biggest competitors, I'd, I'd say, I just want to tell you about some yeah. great work I've been doing with pharmaceutical company A and I, I would hope it would pique their interest, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So let's let's actually come on to a couple of the, the things that, that lead on from that, really. So what about voicemail? Because the chances are, I would think, I don't know, you probably know better than I would, but probably seven out of ten calls that people would make, they're going to land in voicemail rather than actually somebody picking up a phone. Um, Absolutely. So how do we how do we get around uh, yes. that? How do we get people to call us back? Uh, well, so, well, the first thing is uh, my rules around leaving voicemails is I only leave voicemails for people who, who either know who I am or are expecting my call. Ah, that's interesting. So it's somebody I'm already connected with and they know me, or they've inquired through my website and are expecting that I'm likely to reach out, and therefore okay. they might not know me yet, but they may be expecting my call. If they don't fall into one of those two categories. I usually don't leave a voicemail simply because for every voicemail you leave that they don't return, you will build, they will start to build a negative association with either your name or your company brand. Got you. Um, And basically, once I've left you two or three messages and you know you haven't called me back, if your receptionist then says, hey, Steve, I've got a guy called Anthony. He's, He's the assassin guy. And you go... Oh, I've had three voicemails from an assassin guy and I never called him back. I think that's because I'm not really interested. I tell you what, tell him I'm busy and, and t- ask him to send me an email. Yeah. Okay. So there, I suppose, my rules about when I would do it. The main thing, if you are going to leave a voicemail, is uh, the golden rule that happens at the end of every conversation and you should be weaving onto the end of your voicemails is called TFR, which stands for um, Take Final Responsibility. Okay, tell me uh, more. Basically, I believe you should be taking final responsibility for the next time you're going to speak to somebody. So if I was leaving you a voicemail, Steve, it would say, hey, Steve, uh, my name's Anthony Steers. Was just hoping to chat to you for... Oh, no, that's my intro. Sorry. Uh, it'd be, uh, so if it, was an in- if it was an inquiry, for example, it would be, hey, Steve, thanks ever so much for your inquiry through my website. Um, uh, more than happy to send you some prices around training, but I'd really love to have a chat to you about your team and what you're trying to achieve in order to be able to do that. Please call me back on this number and I'll leave my mobile and then I'll say, but don't worry, uh, I've made a quick note to give you a call tomorrow afternoon after three when I've got a gap if I haven't heard from you. Fantastic. So they're going to be expecting you to call. So I've now told them I'm going to call again. My my next message, if I had to leave another one, and bear in mind you should either know me or be expecting my call – each time I leave another message, it increases in the level of concern to whether you got my previous message. So my next one would go, hey, Steve, don't know if you got my message yesterday, uh, but more than happy to send you the pricing that you've asked for. But I do need to ask you some questions first. Please give me a call back on this number. But don't. Uh, and, I, and I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll send you a little email now as well. But don't worry, I've made a note for Friday at lunchtime. If I haven't heard back from you, I'll give you another call then. And basically you know I'm going to keep phoning, which means you either have to phone me back or at least respond or acknowledge my email. So it doesn't make people call you back every time, but I believe it gives you permission to continue leaving messages without without 
allowing them to feel that they have the right to be angry about it. And I think there's a fine line between persistence and being a pest. (laughs) Um, Yes. And and in your example, this is somebody who's actually made an inquiry, so you've got a legitimate reason to call them because they've asked for you to to contact them or they've at least expressed interest in your product, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, with outreach, and I suppose any kind of phone call, I say there's three Ps. You need to be polite, persistent, and patient. Love it. Okay? Polite, persistent, and patient. If you can follow those rules, then you shouldn't offend anybody. Um, To the point where, Steve, if I was to continue leaving new messages after you'd inquired through my website for training, most people would stop at voicemail number two, maybe number three. Okay? I'll tell you what I would do on voicemail number eight. Wow. Okay? And I I may not get to number eight, but it'd be around seven or eight times, and it would go something like this. Hey, Steve, it's Anthony Steers here, the telephone assassin chap. I don't know if you remember, but you inquired through my website nearly two months ago now about some training. I've tried to reach you so I could get some more details to send you some pricing, but unfortunately, I haven't heard back from you. I've also sent you a couple of LinkedIn messages uh, too, so I'm guessing perhaps you're not looking for training anymore. If that is the case, would you mind giving me a call back so I can take you off my list? But don't worry, I'm going to make a note for two weeks' time. If I haven't heard back from you, I'll give you another call then, just in case these messages aren't coming through. Love it. Love it. Okay? So it's still polite, yes, it is. Yeah. But it's, yeah. and it's persistent, yeah. right? But I'm being patient. Yeah. Um, so I suppose that's a bit of an extreme version of it, but hopefully that gives people a few tips around voicemails and when to do it and how to do it. So Anthony, I think some real, real nuggets there. And, and and again, lots of things to sort of dive into. But there's one more thing I want to ask you before we wrap up, really. And and that is, and you've, you've mentioned email already, but the, the comparison of email versus the phone in terms of trying to get people to respond to you. Because we often get asked by our customers, you know, do we know any clever email scripts or any way of getting people to respond? And we always say, no, that's not what we do, really. But what are your what are your thoughts in terms of, the relative pros and cons of sending somebody an email rather than trying to pick up the phone. Okay. I'm going to jump on my soapbox a little <laughs> I, I, bit here. Steve. I keep it within five minutes. <laughs> yeah, so I'll keep it short. Um, emails are fantastic. You can send a million emails with a few clicks, and if you get responses, it gives you inbound inquiries. Sure. It works brilliantly. Okay. The problem that I find when people use email for sales activity is email gets it off your desk. It doesn't complete the task. Right. Whereas a conversation, you get the answers that you need. If I send you an email with three questions that I need you to answer for me to move forwards, the likelihood is, is you're going to make me wait two days before you bother to respond. And then you're only going to answer two of the three questions and I'm still going to have to follow you up again. So, um, my, my rule, I suppose, is that email should be used to create a paper trail of the conversations that you've had. Okay. They, you shouldn't be trying to have conversations over email because the tone is usually, is quite often misinterpreted. Okay. Um, and it's much easier to understand meaning in when you hear stuff, whereas you put your own tone when you read it off the page. Okay. Um, so if, if I was chasing you up for a response, and it was a response from, but, but maybe last time we spoke, you said, okay, let me complete that form and I'll get it back to you. Okay. I'll get it back to you by in a couple of days, right? It's been now five days and I've left you a message and you still haven't come back to me. Okay. But my voicemail, I might say, Hey Steve, 
just wondering how you're getting on with that questionnaire that you were filling out. Um, I know you said you were going to get it back to me by the end of the week, and I was really hoping to load it up onto the system on Friday. Um, if you have any issues with it, please let me know. I blocked out a 15-minute gap on Friday afternoon at 3.45. Uh, if you want some help completing it, let me know if okay. that's a good time. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to send you another email now too, uh, just in case this, e- this this message doesn't find you. Okay? Then I would send you an email that says, hey, Steve, haven't got your questionnaire back, just left you a voicemail. Let me know if you're having any issues or we need to chat. Yeah? Um, as mentioned in my voicemail, I blocked a, uh, I'm sending you a calendar invite now for 3.45 on Friday in case you want 15 minutes to just okay, chat through it. it again. So it's a great way to confirm information and to get across factual stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and by wrapping it and taking that extra step of customer service and saying, look, I've gone to the, I've actually blocked some time out for you. Now, I don't know if this is convenient now, but the fact that I've done this says I've gone the sort of extra mile and I'm putting myself out for you. The least you can do is respond and tell me if that is not mm-hmm. going to work, right? The chances of you either not answering, not responding and not showing up to that tend to be on the slimmer mm-hmm. side. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of rude people out there and a lot of busy people out there, okay? Um, I do know not everybody listens to their voicemails. I know that some emails get stuck Absolutely in junk, do, yes. okay? Um, so I suppose my view is keep emails short and sharp if you have to use them, but I would use them to create the paper trail of the conversations you've already had, um, with scientific inform- uh, products and, and tech products, you often need to transfer information. Email is great for sending them the specs and the, the user guide and the, all of that kind of stuff. Perfect. Right. The old-fashioned way, you used to send it via fax and it used to scream in the corner of the room and give it to you in blur. You can literally ping this stuff across with beautiful pictures, still use your email for that. Just stop trying to use it to have the conversations because conversations move things forwards. Emails, get it off your desk. I think it's a great way of looking at it. And I'm of an age where I remember the world before email and somehow we used to cope with them now. <laughs> uh, but the, Absolutely. So, and I sometimes think uh, you know we're, we're less efficient due to email rather than more efficient, but I think we're... Absolutely in agreement on that yeah. one. Anthony, it's been fantastic catching up with you today. And, and I've learned loads just in the sort of half an hour that we've been chatting. And I'm sure the listener has as well. Where's the best place for the listener to find out more about what it is that you do? Uh, if you Google the telephone assassin, you'll find me all over the place. Uh, but anthonysteers.co.uk is the website. My phone number is very easy to find. I love hearing from people, but feel free to send me an email if you want, <laughs> if you want me to make you wait two days for an answer. Um, but but yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. I do share some stuff on there too. And I would love to know if you have tuned into this and you've taken away a tip that you've implemented reach out let me know what's working and if it's not working still reach out and i'll see if i can i'll check you're doing it properly but uh, i'll see if i can come up with a new solution for you as well but uh yeah it would be lovely to connect and obviously steve we're going to stay in touch too and uh, i'll keep tuning in as well so uh thank you thank you keep up the good work so if you're the listener enjoyed the, the show today then don't forget to subscribe to apple or spotify that means you'll get the show uh, the next show coming up before anybody else. So please make sure you, you do subscribe to one of those two apps. Uh, and also, if you do use those two apps, please leave us a review as well, because it does help us in lots of mysterious ways. I'll be back again in two weeks' time with my colleagues, Prue and Jonathan, where we're going to be looking at, and kind of following on from this podcast, really, we're going to be looking at how we can get through to that really important decision maker, the person that makes those key decisions. How do we find them and how do we get through to them? In the meantime, happy selling, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>